This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and we're going to explore as many Trek references and pop culture as we can remember, with a lot of help from our great participants on the Babel Conference this week. We, we've been going back and forth on a, on a lot of subjects. We've gotten a lot of great ideas from, from, from our listeners as well. And then this one, we were just kind of kicking around. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it to you, Zach, but I always love it. And I'm sure all Star Trek fans do, as, as we're seeing from some of the responses we're getting in the Babel Conference. When Star Trek is mentioned in something that has nothing to do with Star Trek, right, in pop culture, and it's almost like you're in on an inside joke. As I know, like two thirds of my family, they're like, "What does that mean?" You know, and um, and and I I always smile a little bit wider and and laugh a little bit louder when it when it goes in that direction, and uh, and it's true because Star Trek really is everywhere, and so I thought it'd be fun to start a journey, and I think this is going to be a journey that's going to go on and on. I'm thinking multiple episodes over the over the next few months or years, where we're going back to find some 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 um, new things to talk about and how pop culture makes Star Trek actually a larger club. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that older media is more entertaining because, as I've mentioned probably a few times on this podcast now, I feel like we're in this, you know, we're in the, the golden age of nerds, right? We're, we're you know, uh, pop culture references are at its peak. Nostalgia is at critical mass right now. People are like, hey, remember this? We're going to reference it, right? Family Guy, for example. And Family Guy... Well, it was funny. <laughs> but I love Family Guy from back in the day. Uh, and they, they're they like exhibit A of, hey, remember this and this? It's silly. Let's have a quick scene and move on, right? right. Uh, and, you know, the, hey, there's some Star Trek stuff in that we'll bring up as well. But um, I, that's where I feel like we are in pop culture right now. So so to your point, Ken, about, you know, being surprised by, by, by stuff like this, like I feel like, you know, uh, a few years ago and even longer, it, it was more surprising. It was more refreshing. Like, oh, man, they referenced this show I like because because – the, you know, comedy wasn't always self-referential, not necessarily self-referential, but self-referential to pop culture the way it is today. Like, I feel like every comedy nowadays, it has, like, this prerequisite list of, you must reference all the, the, the hot, you know, things of today, right? Or, or big cultural uh, points of today. And because because the nerds have inherited the earth, as they say, uh, you see Star Trek, Star Wars, sci-fi references everywhere with no shame, and everybody kind of knows what you're talking about. But, you know, some of the ones we'll delve into here are, like, some of the very first and, and influential ones uh, that established, like, the way to correctly parody or reference a beloved franchise. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we were talking about this week's topic, I, I don't know why, but the very first thing that jumped out at me was Tarantino's Kill Bill with uh, the opening placard, right? Revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> Ancient or, or old Klingon proverb right. was, was the phrase underneath that. And um, and I just knew right from the beginning, I, was, I am going to like this movie because this guy likes what I like. And, uh, it, and I don't know why, but it just made me smile. And it, you know, I, I did enjoy the Kill Bill movies. They, they were, you know, I, I like, I'm, a, I'm a Tarantino fan, I have to admit. Uh, and... and Boy, it just it just kind of kicked things off. Now, I you, you say we're we're going back further, but that was the first thing that kind of that kind of jumped into to my head. But when I think about the very first time I remember a Star Trek parody, it was from Saturday Night Live, and uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people now I don't know the age groups in here, and we can post it on the Babel Conference for that. But was the uh, the episode about their cancellation? 
where they're trying to get away from a car that had the NBC executives. <laughs> now I've seen that. I've seen clips of that in like Star Trek specials, but I've also seen it on the the best of John Belushi. Uh, yeah, Night live DVD. My dad's a big John Belushi and Saturday Night Live fan, so I think I. For some holiday, I got that for him as a present, and, and we watched it. And, uh, and of course, that that skit was on there. And Belushi is Kirk, and uh, and uh, Ackroyd is uh, McCoy, and Chevy Chase is Spock. I, lo- I love that Ackroyd is McCoy, and he has the mustache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very distracting. But he was he was playing Gerald Ford with the mustache too, and it's like, what are you doing, Ackroyd? But you know, Saturday Night Live. This is, I guess, it must have been the first season or the second season or the first couple. Very of years. first, because okay. Chevy Chase was only on it for one season. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, as as a kid, it was it was always a treat because uh, my parents were pretty good about letting us stay up and watch Saturday Night, which was a very adult humor back then. And <laughs> I I don't think um, I was a, a big Star Trek fan. Of course, I was pretty young, but I, I do remember remember that in particular, and just laughing hysterically with that damn car and the view screen and. And them never leaving character. And the way the skit ends with um, the person who was playing the NBC executive just going to Shatner. <laughs> hey, you got a call from a margarine company. Because <laughs> Shatner was big in uh, with um, Promise was the name of the company. And he in the 70s, he was on every night with uh, Promise Tastes Like Butter. Promise. You know, that was his thing. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. And, and Saturday Night Live did a few more skits. If you'll remember, I, I don't know if you saw the one with Christie Alley. No, I don't think I saw that one. So when she she did a, um, they did a spoof on the Wrath of Khan, and the evolution of human beings had um, uh, had I had women's eyeballs transfer from their head to their breasts, so that men would would uh, because men are always looking there instead of looking them at the <laughs> eyes, so they they have the eyes on their breasts. It was absolutely hilarious. Oh, that's good. I'll have to, I'll have to look that one up. Uh... I do know, you know, with Shatner hosted, of course, there's he he had a couple of famous skits. One, I think he like he opened like a restaurant, and then Dana Carvey came in and he was con or something like that as the health inspector yep. to shut him down, which is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and right. then of course there's the famous, "We get a life, will you? Have you ever kissed a girl?" <laughs> that became infamous in Shatner's uh, relationship with the fandom. But it, it was all a good fun, you know. Well, yeah, it was it was it wasn't good fun, and it was an, a hilarious skit, and I'll never forget John Lovett's face because uh, he had the Spock hairs on, and, and it was and it was played beautifully, you know. When but it's, it's so Get spot on. It's, it's you know exactly what happens at conventions, man. You know? It, it is, and then they, it. but they of course they flipped it on the end, you know. Oh, it was the bad Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny, and uh, and and I thought uh, pretty gutsy. And, and you know what? I think it also, because now you, you see, and, and since that time, right? And, and I guess you feel bad for some folks that are, that are so enveloped in it. And, and of course, you know, everybody just has good intent. And people don't realize, I mean, we do now more than ever. And I think, and I'm hoping that things start to shift away from the talent, so to speak, to the people behind the camera more and more and more. Because the people in front of it, they don't care. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of them do. I, I shouldn't be like they don't care, but they, they you know, they, it was a job to them a lot of times. And and there were some that were Star Trek fans. And now that it's gotten bigger, that that's improved. But you know, I mean, a lot of these folks, they they didn't write the words that they were saying. They didn't come up with the concepts. Uh, they're they're enjoyable in their own right, and it's kind of fun. And, and Lord knows, you know, it's probably secured their their financial well being for a long, long time. But I think. That started the whole, you know, when when those kinds of questions came up about, well, you know, what was the dial set on this setting? Uh, and da, 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 Mr. Shatner, what was your favorite episode of the original series? Because I like, uh, do like a third season with the blue, the blue titles, or the first two seasons with the yellow. Titles. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh man, that's this pain. You, you get secondhand, like you just cringe, like, oh man, like I know you're coming from a good place, man, but they don't know, they don't care, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, they they don't. And, and but you you see now, right? They boo. <laughs> These are the things you run into <laughs> in Comic Con, which it's like, oh, but. But it's you got to say it's it's entertaining. Like you cringe, but you also laugh about the absurdity of it. Also, <laughs> I think so. And I also notice more and more the actors just kind of run with it, right? Yes, they, yes. They, like they, Brent, they have, they'll have fun at their own expense now. Like Brent Spiner, like 
he doesn't really know all this stuff or care, but he has a good time with the fans. He's never condescending. He he has a, he has a great way of like turning around and making it funny when when these ridiculous questions come up. So uh, I, I think that's the right attitude to find. And you know, to my point earlier about how the nerds have inherited the earth, you just can't write off this this demographic, if you will, of fandom anymore. You got to embrace it because you know if you are you know if you are rude to a fan, if you really did do it, pull a get a life like Shatner did on the SNL skit, it's gonna go viral <laughs> and people are gonna turn against you. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything's out there now. I mean, you you, <laughs> you can't get away. iPhones and Androids have conquered the world. Indeed. So you know, you talk about Saturday Night Live. Uh, another uh, a sister show to Saturday Night Live would be In Living Color, and they, yes. did, they did a Star Trek skit as well. Jim Carrey, James Carrey. Let's not forget he was James Carrey at the time. You know, Jamie Foxx and all these guys in the Living Color. Great show. It was the hip late '80s and early '90s equivalent to Saturday Night Live. And uh, they had a Star Trek skit. It was a little cheesier uh, than the Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, but it was the, the Wrath of Farrakhan with Louis Farrakhan, the famous, uh, <laughs> just the famous personality, I guess was the best way to describe him, an activist. The door's open up on the turbo lift, and it's Louis Farrakhan. You know, he, he has his signature glasses and his bow tie. He's like, I am the minister, Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> it was so good. It's like tying, of course, the name Khan in there. And, and Jim Carrey is a great... Uh, Shatner impression and you know that leads me to you know some of my most fun my, my sense of humor really was forged by two things in my youth and it was 1990s Jim Carrey and Mystery Science Theater 3000 like that that is why I have the sense of humor I do today and uh you know Jim Carrey like he went in Ace Ventura he did some Star Trek riffs like he was in the, this pool they're looking for this dolphin he's like he flips open his sunglasses he's like Captain's Log Stardate blah 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 we're looking for a blah 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 and then he throws in like a Bones uh, he's like damn it Jim I'm a doctor not a pool man <laughs> and throws in a Scotty as well it's just so funny and, you know, you're not expecting it because you know you, you, this is before people were busting out Star Trek impressions left and right uh, so so that was great but then like the ultimate though to me in movies the ultimate Star Trek reference would be in the cable guy Jim Carrey and uh, Matthew Broderick are in it, and it's at Medieval Times. Have you seen The Cable Guy, Ken? It is a um, a very strange movie. Yes, I have <laughs> yes. seen The Cable Guy, and I, you know, I'm, I'm still in counseling. Yeah, I'm still trying now, to figure it out. The Cable it, Guy it gets a bad rap because it was it was a little it was, it was a little off. It was not it was just it was dark it was just odd exactly. I, I mean people I, it, it wasn't all, like yeah. the mask or ace ventura or dumb and dumber like this was like this oh you actually went like there's actually like a message well, here and it's kind of dark and yeah, jim carrey went through quite the transformation from being slapsticky and kind of the um he was he was the new robin williams right because you could tell a lot of the stuff he was doing and was just improv he just was going on ace ventura that's why when i was like rolling my eyes, i was like oh that was a tough movie for me to watch oh that is but- like my favorite comedy of all time <laughs> <laughs> wow okay anyway that's fine but i'm just saying you know i could tell a lot of that was improv uh you know they they used to do the same thing with robin williams it'd be like okay here's your scene go they used to do it with rodney dangerfield in the few in the movies he did you know, they just took it right off his um right right off his 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 stand-up and, and they would let these guys go and they were all brilliant at what they did and and jim carrey though he transformed from kind of the the zany crazy you know, and, and, and I remember, too, the, I actually saw him in one of the first uh, television specials that he was on, uh, comedy specials, and his thing wasn't so much uh, his, his impersonations, but what he could do to transform his face. Mm, rubber face. He could, it, it, I mean, it was, it was amazing. He did this thing on Golden Pond where he was playing um, Henry Fonda's character and, and, and what was the woman, uh, famous actress in it. It's, it's, I'm drawing a blank, but like the whole cast and his face would change in front of you. And it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, he, uh, he became a very renowned actor making some, you know, some, some Truman story. I mean, a, yeah. a lot Truman of Truman show, things. eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah. 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 I mean, so the guy was multifaceted, but he was, he was in that transformation. I think cable guy, was the beginning of that mm-hmm. you know? yeah because it, it is darker it's not what people quite expected it's not as remembered as fondly as some of the you know the other 90s carry movies but it has the the key scene in it is that he works at medieval times and he gets to fight matthew roderick and they play the mock time theme and 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 they and they fight with the lerpa with the actual props like and it's so good it was like oh it's star trek right here man you know and ben stiller had a hand in this movie as well and and, and that and that shows uh because he's the you know huge star trek fan as well so i mean that, that was that was just so good and jim carrey as they're fighting he's like singing along he's like, bruh, bruh. <laughs> as he's fighting he's singing along as he's fighting matthew broderick and uh man it's just, just so good like to me that's like 
when I think of Star Trek and pop culture, like that is the one that's the first scene that I think of in, in the cable guy there. So, and you know, you haven't seen the cable guy in a while guys, give it a second chance. It actually, actually has a pretty good message about like, Hey, don't let TV take over your life because it might not be the best <laughs> thing to happen to you. So well, there was a, there was a show on HBO or Showtime where, you know, the, the, every, the thoughts in the person heads was, was all uh, TV shows, like old TV shows. Cause he grew up watching TV and I, I wish I could remember it. Anyway, it reminded, I, I think that that show was kind of loosely based on that whole premise, right? Where you just, somebody just who got so enveloped by that and, um, and so, but it was it was a great concept, right? Um, to to take a scene from an old movie, and and make that the person's thoughts was was brilliant, and uh, I appreciated that a lot. But yeah, Carrie, man, he did a hell of a James Kirk, though. Boy, that look! Like I said, he could transform his Who face. It's amazing. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you remember the movie Fanboys? Which that was. Star Wars versus Star Trek. I don't know if you ever saw that. You know, I, I remember it as a thing, but I never saw it because I, there was a lot of, like, back and forth. Like, it got delayed. It didn't come out. You know, it, it, didn't, it didn't quite hit big. Like, I think people thought it was when they were making it, and then it just kind of came and went. And I just, you know, I never went and, I, I never went and sought it out afterwards. So, no, I, I have not seen Fanboys, but it, I have a familiarity with it. Yeah, it was okay. It, it wasn't great, but it, uh, uh, it had an interesting premise to it, I thought, and it was funny. You know, it was, I mean, these were ultra nerds. The time, it was made in the mid-2000s, I know that. It was released probably in 2007 or eight, something along those lines. And, you know, they meet up with Carrie Fisher and all this stuff, and it's, it's all surrounding Star Wars. But I, I thought the funniest thing was, so the, these are huge, huge Star Wars fans, and the movie starts off with a person coming into their comic book store, which is all Star Wars-themed, and... Um, this guy's looking in a display case, and in it is a phaser. So the guy says, oh, can, can I take a look at this phaser? And he's about to get it for him. And then he's like, you're a Star Trek fan. And they literally beat them out of the store. It was, it was a trap so that they could <laughs> kick anybody out that liked Star Trek. But what was, what was a shame about the movie is its original premise was to, you know, it has the Star Wars fans facing off with the Star Trek fans. And Paramount would not allow the studio that was making it to allow the Star Trek fans uh, to, to wear the, the Star Trek uniforms or have any of the emblems. So it, it just kind of lost itself there. And, and it would have been perfect if, if Paramount wouldn't have had, you know, um, whatever, whatever, you know, weren't such tight asses and, and kind of let them go. I mean, you know, this movie wasn't going to be a, a blockbuster or anything, but it, it would have been a little bit more fun because these guys are walking around in, you know, stormtrooper uniforms and whatnot. And, uh, and it's all about trying to get one of their friends who's very sick with cancer into Lucas Ranch to see the Phantom Men Menace because it's the first movie, you know, in 15, 20 years. And they wanted to see it before he passes. So it had like this quest to it about it. And they, of course, you know, hijinks ensue all, all throughout the movie. And it had it had a few good scenes, and uh, I think that the folks from Lucasfilm had a pretty good sense of humor about it because it wouldn't have been made without their approval. And uh, you know, and actually, they you know, I, I'd have to ask Nick about that. I don't know if they actually went to Lucas Ranch to film any of that. But that's good. Yeah, Nick, let us know, Nick. He would know. Uh, and yeah, and Lucasfilm and Lucas, you know, all credit to them. Say what you will about the prequels and the special editions and whatever, right? They have been very supportive of like fan efforts and and parodies and all that. I mean, basically, you can make any Star Wars fan film you want as long as you don't make money off of it. Lucasfilm's like, hey, go for it. So they always have a very good, uh, you know, sense of humor and just appreciation for the fans that they're even doing this stuff. So I just wish, you know, for fanboy when it's a major motion picture and it's a real one, it couldn't have hurt, you know, um, to to allow them just to go all out. I mean, it's you know, it's Star Trek and it's it's all that other stuff. It, it just uh, it just would have been funny now, if they could have had. From the, the trailer I saw, Shatner makes a cameo in there, right? He does. <laughs> he does. He sells the secrets on how to get into Locust <laughs> Locust okay. Ranch. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he, he he was in there. You know, there was there was there was a few cameos. You know, from from different folks in there. Like I said, Carrie Fisher was in it, and uh, you know, it was like it, it, because I'm a Star Wars fan too. I enjoyed the movie and the aspect of it. It was it was over the top at times. But it was also it had some it had some uh, touching moments and, and and the end was absolutely perfect. Yeah, somebody you know, somebody told me the last line of the movie and I was like, oh, that yeah, is, that is perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. So we won't spoil it. Anyway. <laughs> so go see fanboys. I mean, you know, maybe I'll go seek that out now. Can I've 
like I said, I never have before, but this is a good time as any to check it out. So it's an hour and a half. <laughs> Excuse me. If you like Ace Ventura, this is probably ten to fifteen notches above. How that. dare you, sir? Ace Ventura <laughs> is comedy gold. Like I, I, I quote Ace Ventura as much as I can in everyday conversation. It's genius. Like uh, you really can use it as uh, as often as you can if you're creative enough. Both of the movies, really. So yeah, forget the cable guy, Ken. You need to rewatch Ace Ventura and its sequel, Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls, uh, which are hilarious. Uh, wow, pil- I think, pillars uh, of comedy this... in this in the United States. Do you, is is Ace Ventura two a favorite of yours because it was filmed in Texas? I don't know why I know that, but I do know that. I, Ace Ventura two was filmed in Texas. Yeah, it's supposed to take place in Africa, but it was filmed in Texas. Really, I didn't even know that. So look at you, Kim, pulling out the trivia. I'm usually the trivia guy around here. I'm impressed. Oh, I've got a lot of useless knowledge in this head. It just comes out at different times. <laughs> that's all. But seriously. Go rewatch Ace Ventura 1 and 2. <laughs> How did we get here? Oh, boy. Uh, so, you know, another thing, we mentioned it earlier, uh, Family Guy. Ironically, much like Star Trek, uh, it was canceled by the network. A misunderstood show uh, lasted three seasons. The fans brought it back. I will say that its first season when it came back, it's fo- it, you know, the fourth season, the first revival season was really good. And I feel like they continued to kind of kind of phone it in more decrease in quality as they went because, you know, that, that, that's a limited... You know, the concept of that show only has so many legs, right? It's like, hey, did you watch TV in the 80s and movies? I did too. Here's some references, you know? And then South Park completely uh, harpooned them with a Family Guy parody episode. I don't know if you ever saw that, uh, The one with, uh, yeah, the one with uh, threatening to show Muhammad on screen. Yes, yeah, with the manatees and the idea balls and all that. Like, I'm not really a South Park guy. I don't really watch it, but, you know, I have a lot of friends that do, and... Uh, definitely I watched that episode like oh man you got to see this because we were all Family Guy fans and like yeah that kind of sunk Family Guy but all that all that being said Family Guy is still going hey the Simpsons is still going so you know who knows right but you know Seth MacFarlane huge Star Trek fan right he, he's even you know he's been in a lot of you know Star Trek uh documentaries and, and special features now coming up he was on Enterprise man he yeah was he, was, he was he was he cameoed on Enterprise in a couple episodes for sure so so he's a true fan he understands Star Trek and has a good time with it and so you know they sneak in as many Star Trek references as they can I remember I think I think the early seasons of Family Guy are the ones I remember most and I'm sure most people remember most because it's all we had for a while Right, much like this original series, you had your 79 episodes and three seasons for 10 years, right? Family Guy was very similar. I know in high school, uh, me and my friends, went, uh, when uh, Family Guy came out on DVD, we used to get together and watch the episodes, you know, over and over and over together. And and those are the ones, those are the skits that people remember most. And I remember when they, they had uh, Shatner and, and Filler on the roof. He's like, in oh, yeah. <laughs> little village. Oh, blah, blah. Bouncing God. all over the screen. <laughs> well, they had an episode, too, where they had the, the whole cast of The Next Generation on it. Yes, Do yes, voices, and, and then yeah. Stewie kills uh, Denise Crosby first. <laughs> it's just, uh, that uh, that one, the one with uh, the one with the next gen cast, the one uh, the one I that's one scene I remember most is they go to the drive through, and it's Will yes. Wheaton. He's like, "Oh, I want a cheeseburger. No, I want a hamburger. No, I want, I want, I want fries and a milkshake." And then Patrick Stewart says, "You'll get nothing and like it." That's <laughs> yeah. okay. So but uh, uh, again, one of the early shows they had it wasn't really William Shatner, but they met William Shatner, and then they go to like the the beer fest together, and they run run around in later hosen and all that stuff, and. It's just fun. You know, it's it's absurd, and you know, in the in the world of animation, anything is possible, right? So that that's what makes it so easy to do uh, to parody all the shows from all the different uh, you know timelines, if you will. There has been a lot more next generation uh, stuff on you know Family Guy and American Dad, considering Patrick Stewart is <laughs> oh, he's a on voice that. on American right. Dad. Voice, yeah. He's the main character's boss. And then all of the next generation cast have done voiceover work. Like they've all been on like gargoyles and. You know, Batman, the animated series, all these shows, uh, they have voiceover work of it. So, so it's always fun. You, know, these, you see these clips online. You know, that's, that's the great thing about, you know, the, the, the social media age these days. Even if you don't watch the shows, you'll see the clips pop up online. They're always they're always pretty fun, and they're always very intelligent. They're self, uh, you know, it's one thing when fans or creators that understand the show make fun of it, right? And then there's another thing when, when people just like the generic comedy machine of Hollywood or television makes fun of, like, a property like Star Trek and Star Wars where they don't really understand it and they're kind of condescending towards it. And I feel like, you know, Family Guy is definitely on the, we're fans, we all love this, but we understand it's fun. Much like you and I, Kim, we love Star Trek, but we love making fun of it as well, so. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so we say nothing's perfect, right? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just smiling. I was thinking about all those, those all the stuff we've been talking about. And, uh, it, it, and it's, it's, it, there's a plethora of things. So let's go back a, a little bit further, Zach. Uh, were you a Seinfeld fan? At all? I, am, I am a Seinfeld fan. Okay. So you, you know what I'm talking about with Costanza and Khan and all of that. Yes, 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 yes. 
They're, and they, they have, you know, they had actually a few references on that. And I don't know if it's the same episode. It might have been, but I know when, uh, he's like, Khan, you know, then you do the, you do the, the, the pan up from uh, George in the booth there. Is that is that the episode where uh, Kramer is at the dojo and, and he tells uh, he's telling Elaine about the Katra? Do you remember that? Is that I the don't. same episode? Because <laughs> uh, you know, I, you one. know, I, I assume there, there was probably more than one. I mean, Seinfeld. Uh, I don't, I don't know it encyclopedic by any means, but I am familiar with it. And and there's there's one episode where like Elaine is looking for some kind of advice, and Kramer tells her like you got to get in touch with her Katra and all this stuff. And then she finds out that it's from Star Trek, and she's like, "That's from Star Trek." And he's like, "Jerry, I'll tell you Star Trek two, but Star Trek three is the superior picture." <laughs> <laughs> and I always remember that because I like Star Trek Three better. But but the fun the funny thing is it's Kramer and he, he gets it he, he uses it as dojo or whatever and they assume that he's you know in in an age appropriate martial arts class but it's with a bunch of kids. <laughs> Classic Seinfeld <laughs> Kramer and all these kids you know getting beat up and stuff. So anyway that's what I remember. But yes the, the the famous George yelling up to the sky con is is perfect as well. Yeah, and I know I I know the uh, Jason Alexander is a big Star Trek fan right. He's appeared he's on Voyager a- yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I know that, too, he's been in different specials and has talked about it. I don't know if he's done a, a Kirk imitation. I, I tend, I, 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 I tend he, to remember. He has that. done. It was, the, uh, it was the 35th anniversary special on UPN. Uh, and it was, I don't know who played McCoy and Spock, but I know Jason Alexander was, was Kirk, and they were hopping around, and there was some kind of framing device for them to go. be in modern day to show all these Star Trek clips and stuff. So so that he did he did get to play Kirk. Uh, as well, because I, I I know that Kevin Pollock was the uh, the guy who was most famous. Or oh, they he felt was spot on, wasn't he? Spot on, yeah. He was really really good. Still is pretty good, and I, they've they've used him a number of times to to imitate Shatner, and has has done well with it. And you know, it's still funny how defensive I get of of William Shatner. I think that uh, there there are people that have a certain mannerism in the way they speak and the way they obviously his very very distinct style. But I, I never thought of it as comedic, right? Until you see all these imitations, and of course, you just take it to a whole out, other level. Out of context, it's hilarious. And then, of course, for comedy, they always ramp it up. They always oh, they ramp, ramp it, up. it up. Yeah, yeah, huge. And uh, and it is funny. But I, I, you know, sometimes when I was when I was younger, I would almost get mad at it. It's like, oh, come on, it wasn't that bad, you know? Because uh, nerddom hadn't come into its its. Uh, it's it's present level in society back then, you know. It is like stop teasing him; he's good. It is funny as we talk about all these parodies. Like a lot of them really revolve around someone doing a Shatner impression, in one way or another. Like that's that's a key component of it, right? Well, yeah, you know. And and if you take the the biggest parody of them all is Galaxy Quest, right? Everybody says that is a Star Trek episode, and as is is um. As Tim played that part as being the captain and, and all of that, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the mannerisms. It was the the losing the shirt and all those types of things. That, you know, uh, I think you know paid the compliments the most. And, and that wasn't just like them doing a parody of Star Trek. Like they, they did a parody of like the culture of Star Trek. Like they were the actors Everything. and the characters, right? And that was so spot on. Like at the conventions and all that stuff, and like, the fans. Everything. Yeah, yes. Justin yeah. Long, the Apple guy before he was famous, was the guy with the engine room schematics. They have to call him to figure out how to get out of the, the spaceship and all that. Get and, through the chompers. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the late, great Alan Rickman uh, playing of the Spock analogs. Like, by grab Thor's hammer. What a savings. Like, that's so, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And, like, you know, as, as Star Trek fans, you understand it and you, like, know exactly what they're talking about. It's hilarious, right? But much like Star Trek Four crossed over to the mainstream Galaxy Crest, crossover to the mainstream because these jokes they, they work so well for us but they also work so well for the general public because it's just just a fun film and it's so like just self-irreverent right and that's the key to this oh, it, comedy it, it is yeah <laughs> and I, I i remember seeing it uh the, the first time in the theater and just saying man this this was great and th- you know the, the fan costumes the whole thing and yeah and and you know they, when you when you say and I remember at that time too, and there was probably more in the nineties, and I think it's lessened as time has gone on uh you know that separation between shatner and um in the in the i don't know what the heck do you call them below the line second tier whatever whatever you want to call them but the uh the, you know the 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 rest of the cast there there was that line and and part of it was shatner's own doing just the way he described things right well there's certain people above the line there's certain people below the line that's absolutely true there's nothing wrong about that but you're not supposed to say that <laughs> you know that's 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 wrong you know i mean it's 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 kind of funny because no other stars in hollywood that i know of um, got that same kind of uh, treatment 
for for stating the obvious, right? You know, I mean, you, you watch any movie, any movie, you get Tom Cruise, you get these these big headliners or whatever, and then there's everybody else. Well, there was a, a pretty strong supporting cast in there, but they're not Tom Cruise, right? And um, you don't see them eating lunch with him. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, but at any rate, it, it, that's, that's what I, I really liked about it, though, is that it... Um, you know, it has them separated and then coming together in the end. And I think there was a part of that where you were like, gee, I hope that happens in, in real life. And I think there's been efforts to, to make that happen. Uh, and there's really just one now that just, you know, refuses to play. But it doesn't matter. It's uh, that That's what I really enjoyed about Galaxy Quest. Right. You know, and even stuff like uh, him fighting the rock monster on the planet. You're like, oh, man, it's like in Star Trek Five where they're supposed to have a rock monster. Like little stuff like that, too, reminds you of, of, of you know, deep Star Trek trivia that way. They didn't miss a beat. They didn't miss a beat. And that transporter scene was perfect. <laughs> and then the, the uh, security chief not having a name. <laughs> so good. <Yep. laughs> so seriously, yeah. if, you, if you guys haven't seen, if you haven't seen any of this stuff, trust me, as Star Trek fans, you'll, you'll love it. So if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest, definitely go see it. I mean, I know there was a poll at like a Star Trek convention a few years ago, and it rated Galaxy Quest like as like in the Star Trek movies, and it got rated above a lot of the Star Trek movies, and yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't. Five. I don't think it belongs in that category, right? But I will say it's a heck of a lot more enjoyable than some Star Trek movies. And I'll leave it at that. So you, you might have crossed a line. Bichet's coming after you, I think, <laughs> because there is there is nothing that Brandon doesn't love in terms of the movies, you know. Well, as you know, as far as parodies go, Galaxy Quest was was in the '90s, but before that, we had Spaceballs in the '80s, and that's uh, right. Yeah. As as Galaxy Quest was to Star Trek, Spaceballs was to Star Wars, and there there is some, but even so, there is some Star Trek in Spaceballs. Um, even you know, there's Alien in there as well. So it's it's Star Wars is like the the framework, but they throw in a lot of other sci-fi uh, franchises in there as well. And Spaceballs, man, I grew up watching Spaceballs. Like I don't think we ever owned it on vhs but we rented it like all the time and just just so good such such a such a just a clever send-up of the franchise in a time when the parody films were still good like this is in the age of like airplane and blazing saddles and all that uh look at look compare those films to what you have today like you know scary movie seven or you know epic movie or superhero movie or these awful awful uh parody films they just they just don't they're just not good anymore right <laughs> and uh but 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 space loss was still in that golden age of the parody well it was well, well you know who really well mel brooks was the king of it mm-hmm. he really was i mean you, you say blazing saddles that was really the first and probably um the, the boldest and riskiest um parody movie you know of westerns uh in the western genre because uh, that was so popular but in 74 when that movie came out um, not only did it rock the world because of its, you know, it took on controversial things and made fun of it, you know, kind of the, uh, the, the big screen version of Don Rickles. Nothing was off. Nothing was out of scope. Uh, he just did a brilliant job with his movies. You know, I, I loved Young Frankenstein. I loved High Anxiety. Um, all of his movies, you know, after after Spaceballs, it didn't really, you know, he kind of struggled. Um, mm-hmm. That was like kind of the last hurrah, wasn't it? Yeah, the Robin Hood one didn't really work, and you know, and and he was using a lot of the the same people that he'd been using for twenty years and, and making it, and you know, there was a line here or a line there, and uh, but but he himself has always been such a gentleman, a funny guy, and um, and has this ability uh, to to just make make people laugh, and when the producers did really well on Broadway, you know, I was really happy for him because you you just you know, uh, you know, he was married to Anne Bancroft, and um. And I'd never been more touched because they were married for many, many years. And when she passed, uh, I remember um, his son talking about how his father reacted to that. I don't even know where I'm going with this. But it was just uh, very powerful. But I, I really enjoyed uh, Spaceballs. Uh, you know, as, as a lot of people know, a lot of times you are assigned call signs in the Navy, right? You don't you don't assign your own, usually. And Spaceballs... Um, as people knew I was a big fan of it or whatever, uh, Lone Star was became um, 
<laughs> the call sign. <laughs> but you could you couldn't just say Lone Star. You had to say it the way Dark Helmet said it. You had Lone Star like that. Yes. And so when you hear that over the network or over the net, that was that was that was actually pretty fun. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. <laughs> so obviously uh, it's a little bit of uh, space balls in all of us, right? But yeah, that was that was a uh, that was that was a good movie. And I, the only thing I really remember was the Scotty scene and the transporter. And you know, why didn't somebody tell me my ass was so big? That was that was a great line. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, good stuff. And then you know, uh, before we, we we'll get into the uh, Babel Conference comments here in a second. But before we wrap it up, we would be remiss to not mention Futurama and their episode where no fan has gone before. Now, Standard Orbit, way back in the day, in our first iteration of the show, uh, did a commentary on where no fan has gone before called "Piece of Gold Inside a Gold Shirt." That's episode twenty. Mike and Drew did that back in the day. So this is seriously early early days of Standard Orbit. But if uh, you guys are interested in hearing their commentary on that episode go back and check it out and that is like i was saying those guys understood the family uh the much like the family guy guys the futurama guys understood star trek and it was a parody but it was so spot on like even the little things made me lol in that episode like you know if you're not familiar with it it's the uh the cast of you know the cast of tos uh and in the future, I'm a future. They're all heads. Like when people die, they, they become heads in a jar. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of weird. But anyway, uh, uh, Fry and the whole team from Futurama encountered them on a planet. And uh, hijinks ensue, right? There's a super power, powerful entity who's a huge Star Trek fan. And him and Fry, the main character of Futurama, try to like out Star Trek fan each other. It's so good. Even little stuff like, uh, I have scripts for all of you. Except for George and Walter, you have to share. Like, I don't know why that was so funny to me, but it's just a little thing. And uh, and probably my favorite though is when uh, they're 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 doing this fake episode, and Melvar is the name of the uh, the entity uh, directing them. You know, the actors aren't really giving that great a performance, and and people are getting frustrated. And uh, Nimoy says uh, he he speaks up and says, you know, when I was directing Star Trek Four, I got such a great performance out of Bill because I respected him as an actor. And then Shatner says, yeah. And now when I was directing Star Trek V, I got such a great performance out of myself because I respected me as an actor. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's that self-aware parody that's so good. And um, it's their real voices. And that's what really makes the episode. I mean, it's really William Shatner and really Leonard Nimoy and really Walter Koenig and George Takei and Michelle Nichols. Uh, so I definitely recommend all you guys go watch that episode and then watch it again with our commentary from episode 20 of... Uh, Standard Orbit, not our commentary, but our predecessor's commentary. So, oh yeah, hey, commentary's been a hot subject. Lately. Commentaries, that's right. <laughs> no, that's good stuff. All right, man, you ready to start pulling out some of these things that we got from the Babel conference? We got some great references in here. Yeah, let's hit it, Ken. All right, I'm going to start with the first one. Tim Cooper, uh, who was very quick to respond as soon as the uh, the post was put up, talking about. Um, uh, the Big Bang Theory, and talk about a franchise that has just, you know, solidified its um, its standing by. It, I I know there's a lot of Star Trek fans that do not like uh, the Big Bang Theory, and it's kind of hit or miss with me. To be honest with you, I've seen some where I thought were pretty funny, and others I was like, eh, but, um, and it's it's been playing for a long time. But they do a ton. I mean, a ton of Star Trek. And there's been quite a few people from Star Trek on the show. I don't know if, you, if you've seen a few of their episodes, but I, I do remember, too, when they were going to, I think it was San Diego, or to a Star Trek convention and their car breaks down and they get robbed at Vasquez Rocks. But, man, Sheldon looked exactly like Data. It was amazing. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they put a lot into it, but the references are are ever, ever constant, right? And... Um, and Tim talks about one called the transporter malfunction, uh, where he's playing with a Spock figure and the toy transporter inadvertently breaks it. <laughs> that's, like, oh, that's perfect. Uh, just considering Star Trek, the motion picture and all. But uh, there's, there's, there's a lot in there. And like I said, there's, um, there's references, I think, pretty much almost on every episode. And they talk about the movies a lot, too. And um, Well, here's my deal with on. the Big Bang Theory. And this is controversial, I'm sure, for a lot of listeners. Like, I do not like the Big Bang Theory. I this find... is controversial. <laughs> Very controversial. I don't like the Big Bang Theory. Maybe because I've just been conditioned to like everyone I know in my real life is like, oh man, do you watch Big Bang Theory? Like you totally like it, man. Like they talk about all the stuff you like, man. And like, you know, some of my best friends watch this show and they're like, oh man, it's so funny. This reminds me of you and your friends. I'm like, okay, yeah, thanks. Uh, 
I don't know. Like, I, I, I think <laughs> I think when it started, you know, its heart was in the right place, but I think it's become so mainstream now. Like, it's gotten so generic. Because I've seen bits and pieces there. And look, I'll admit, I'll laugh when I, and sometimes when I see it. But I think just the general overall approach of the show is like, like, Penny will walk in and they'll be talking about Spider-Man. She's like, Spider-Man, what's that? You guys, you guys are losers. <laughs> like, really? Like, just because they know, like, someone will say the word Star Wars and, like, the laugh track will come up. Like, oh, these losers are talking about Star Wars. So it's like, I don't know. Like, it, it's this weird catch-22 because I, I, I do, I truly believe the Big Bang Theory success is part of why we've had this, like, nerd renaissance, right? It's made all this stuff, all this terminology, you know, uh, mainstream again, right? Going to the comic book store, the con convention. People, these are their points of references. When when I say, like, yeah, I went to Comic-Con, people think of, oh, yeah, that episode of the Big Bang Theory, right? So that's a that's a touch point, touchstone for people, and that's, and that's great. But at the same time, I, I, I do, it's perpetr- it's perpetrated a stereotype of nerds, like, like the, the ones who, I was impersonating earlier, like this, you know, like, like, they're not all like that, you know, like, everybody's not Sheldon, right? And I, so it's, it's interesting Catch-22, and if I watched more of the show, I'd probably like it more, but just from the bits and pieces and stuff that I've seen and heard from people, I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. So that's my take on it. What, what do you think about that, Ken? Is that, is that a fair point of view for me to have or what? Sure it is, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I said, I don't have a like a hard opinion that it's great or it's bad. There's episodes I've seen where I was laughing pretty pretty hard, and my um, my wife, my kids, they they like it a lot. So a lot of times I'll be watching it with them, and sometimes, like I said, it's it's a very hit or miss show. But when they do the Star Trek things, and I remember one where they had George Takei as kind of like a a conscience, a guardian angel, you know, uh, as as a coach, and um, uh, it was it was really really well done and so there there are times when they when they just they just hit it or you know where they're out there playing practical jokes and you know they got Carrie Carrie Fisher was in that too and and you know again I I think that uh, there there are times where it, it really takes off and when it doesn't but to your overall point I know exactly what you're talking about I was that guy when it came to Friends I didn't get it I I um. I just never thought it was very funny, and I don't know why the formula didn't work, because I'm like the one person <laughs> that I know that just watches that show and just says, okay, silly gag, and then there's the quick shot to the perfect, for, for the perfect, for the reaction shot, right? It would just go, gag, reaction, gag, reaction, and it, to me, it just it, it just didn't play, and, um, and, and I never got into it, and, and I know I was the outlier, right, because it was so popular. Um, you know, Cheers was one of my favorite shows, and I and I loved it, and I and I got it, and of course, it Boston and all that stuff, and then you know, Friends would come on, and I go, ah, you know, and this and back then that was that was really my generation, the, 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 my age group, the whole thing. Uh, maybe maybe they were a little younger, but not much, and um, you know, I just I just didn't connect to it. So I'm I'm sure that's very similar for you. For whatever reason, you know, you you, you just are like, no, it just it just doesn't it just doesn't mesh. So I don't think it's that big a deal. And and like I said, I know a lot of people in the Star Trek fandom that just viscerally dislike it. You know, they they look at it as just, you know, they they don't get the parody. They just find it to be very insulting. And and I don't think that's the intent at all myself. But I understand where they're coming from. Well, then, as a just an overall critique of comedy on television these days, I much prefer like I'm so over the laugh track comedy. You know, like my favorite comedies are The Office or Community, yes. right? I'm so you, ones yeah. that it's all inferred and it doesn't like tell you when to laugh. Because have you, have you ever seen these videos on on YouTube or whatever when people have taken out the laugh track? It's it's just it's so awkward because someone will say a line like, huh, "You're telling me, Ken." <laughs> it's like silence, and it's like you know they, they pause. Like who talks that way? But anyway, uh, that's another conversation. Look, if you enjoy the Bing Theory, more power to you. It's apparently never going to end, or is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's been out for ten years, and it's still going. So uh, I think every every couple years here, oh, is could this be the final season? The cast is getting. It's much. It's like friend, like you said. It's like Friends of today. Right? You always hear about the cast renegotiating these huge contracts. It's like the number one comedy, and hey, it's connecting with with a lot of people. So you know that's what entertainment's all about. So if you like it, more power too. Just not my cup of tea. I watch my six seasons of Community. <laughs> they got canceled in the sixth season. Had to be on Yahoo. No, I, I I do agree with you though. I find the the laugh tracks now very um, very distracting when I'm watching a show. It's one thing too if it's filmed before a live audience because you can tell that. Um, but I don't believe uh, Big Bang. Th- it might be. I I don't I don't get the impression that it is. It sounds every laugh sounds the same. But now now I will say this. Tim's next comment, and I, and I did see this part of this episode. Um, 
because like I said, I have friends that watch this all the time, so I'll see it, you know, in the background and whatever. But he says, another great episode is the one where he orders Sheldon. He orders the life-size cardboard cutout of Spock, but gets the Zachary Quinto version by mistake. <laughs> like, I just, and that was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> that's pretty good. So, so uh, yeah. And, and Tim, you share a surname with Sheldon. So that that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if that's... Uh, that's a connection there or not for you, but cool. Um, <laughs> so guess, yeah. the, the next comment's from Brian Yates, and he says, Several Star Trek actors have been on Stargate, which had many Star Trek references. My favorite is Colonel O'Neill wanting to name the ship the Enterprise and being disappointed that he was overruled. There's also the episode where John Billingsley played a scientist who is a Trekkie. So um, he's going to post some more uh, detailed info on the uh, Star Trek Stargate uh, references later. So, And as Ken said, well, we're probably going to revisit this topic more regularly so we can delve deeper into that kind of stuff then so did you watch stargate because i never got into it i did not i did not watch stargate i just you know smallville had taken over my life at the time you know enterprise was on i was checking that out i mean you know high school you only got so much time for tv so you know it's been marching band that takes a lot of time you know having a social life so uh i could only have a, a few I, I only had so much time in life for a few nerd indulgences and stargate just did not make the cut for whatever reason but i have friends that swear by it i think it's a great show so i mean one day when i when i run out of star trek to watch or whatever I, i'll probably check it out yeah it, it, there's stargate there's babylon 5 there's a few of them out there that people really really love and oh, enjoy babylon 5 is amazing and normal yeah. sort of <laughs> babylon 5 he's a big he's a big babylon 5 fan i am as well oh that, he's huge yeah babylon 5 is my dad's favorite tv show of all time Oh, okay. So, so and, I and I and I have seen bits him. and pieces, but I, I, you know, one of those things where, you know, now it's now it's coming into to summertime in New England, so I will be out and about. But when when winter time comes, and uh, if there's ever any downtime, it'll be great to kind of binge watch through these things. And now that you can, and 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 see it from from square one, because I do have an interest. I just don't have time. Yeah, the barriers to entry was always pretty strong in the past, but now that everything is on streaming somewhere. Like, there was some streaming service that has what you're looking for. You just need to find and look for it. Uh, so it's a lot easier than, like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Like, go go rent these DVDs from Blockbuster, right? You know, way to date ourselves there. But, I mean, before, you know, in this modern age, like, when were you going to go watch every episode of Stargate? You just weren't. You were going to set the set the VCR to record it when it comes on 2 a.m. on UPN on repeats, you know? So it is easy to check this stuff out now. So, yeah, down the road, Ken, we'll, we'll have to uh, delve into this stuff. Yeah, so. I think so. Okay, what do we have next? Then our friend uh, Tony Black, who's uh, hosted with us a couple times here on Standard Orbit, uh, he says, "Young Fox Mulder in the X Files, dressed up as Spock in family home videos." And it's you know it's it's this uh, the, you know, they occasionally show you know Mulder and Scully when they were kids on the X Files, and and uh, of course Mulder, who else would he be dressed up as than Spock, right? Being the, the alien guy that he is, and uh, so it's you know this little kid dressed up you know with the Spock ears and all that stuff. So that's a good good little Star Trek callback on the X Files for sure. Uh, that was that was that was brilliant too, and I, I did remember that. I, I am an X Files fan, and, um, and though I haven't I haven't watched it in a few years, that was that was the big event, making sure everybody was was ready to go when when that show came on. And again, any reference to Star Trek, I'm like, yeah, two thumbs up. <laughs> so, so the next one we had was from Tim Hans, and he talks about Airplane Two, and uh, you know, I was a, a airplane. We were talking about those 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 movies from back in the '80s that kind of started the whole thing, and once you you know, they say that, uh, you know, parody is the best form of complimentary compliments, but uh, most complimentary thing, right, is parody. I can speak well. And, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, both both airplane movies. The first one was was really funny. But the second one with William Shatner, that came out not too long after, um, I believe, Star Trek Two, and, uh, and, and he was fresh off that. So I think it caught a lot of people by surprise that he was he was having fun kind of at his own expense, and they had a lot of great Star Trek references, especially in the clip that he provided. You know, I just I just remember him going crazy over the blinking lights. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just blinking, and he just shuts everything off. And um, it it was it was very funny, very very great Shatner. Of course, Airplane was a Paramount, so they could they could use a lot of the stuff, but. You know, when they're looking at the device that's right from every Star Trek science fiction movie and ever made with those stupid lights. I, actually, that actually bothered me in The Wrath of Khan. 
when I saw that that device in there because it's like I've seen this a hundred times. Come on, guys, you know you can do better. Like you see that stuff in Mystery Science Theater three thousand movies, you know, like in the, in the that, bad yeah. movies they're watching. The but same that ex- prop. that exact prop I have seen more times than you could shake a stick at, and it's like why did they throw it? In? But it was that was a good call out, Tim. That that was that was very funny, and you know the, I, I love the fact that these this this topic has resonated because a lot of people come up with some great things. Yeah, Lisa Brown comments on the Big Bang Theory again. She says, "While I'm not much a fan of the show." Same here, Lisa. Uh, <laughs> there's a moment in the Bang Bang Theory where Sheldon and Raj argue over Star Trek movies. It's fantastic. I'll have to find that. I think I did see that scene. And um, yeah, they, they uh, like I said, because we're having the same discussions, right? Right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's, we, that's... We, we make a quote-unquote living off of this, right? <laughs> I would not say we make a living, no. But we definitely have a lot of fun off it. For sure. <laughs> you know, unless... Do you, did you get a new contract? You didn't tell me. You know, I, I think it's some best to discuss off the air, Ken. I don't want to air our... Uh... The hell is going... Oh, I see. I see. Oh, that's why I get the title and you get the money. I see how this works. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Positioning is key. Ian Coomber says, I love how in Spaced, Simon Pegg argues that every odd-numbered Star Trek movie is, mm, I'll say, rubbish. Uh, <laughs> then he also put a Spaced reference in Beyond. That is, again, the, the odd even. I, I think maybe that uh, is what uh, helps submit the odd even rule for a lot of people. You know, Simon Pegg there. Uh, I certainly disagree with the odd even rule. I'm sure you do as well. Both of our favorite movies are odd movies, Ken. So <laughs> we're a bit odd ducks in that way as far as our Star Trek film fandom goes. Yeah, funny how that works. But I, um, I, I haven't seen Paul, and uh, I've heard it was really good. Or Spaced, I'm sorry. Um, I, I keep thinking of Paul uh, every time I, I, I think of uh, Simon Pegg, because he was in that as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was He was Paul. Oh, he no, was he Paul. wasn't Paul. Right. No, uh, Seth Rogen was Paul. Seth Rogen was Paul, thank <laughs> uh, you. Nick yeah. Frost and Simon Pegg were their you know, basic buddy comedy, same same vein as uh, you know Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. All right, let's keep rolling here. Um, April Taylor just kind of backs up the Tarantino uh the, the the piece the, the original post that I put up there for the Star Trek one but I just love the way she wrote we are everywhere and it is good <laughs> I thought that was a great line I, I like it um, and then Tim comes back with Carol Burnett now Carol Burnett was probably one of the, the things that you know Saturday Night Live was one thing but Carol Burnett was brilliant she is brilliant and that cast was phenomenal and I've seen uh, Carol. I saw Carol Burnett just a year ago in 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 New York. She did a kind of a um, a show where she looks back at at her history and uh, plays a lot of clips from from the TV show and, and talks about how they would you know actively work to try to break each other up. And she was so funny, and that cast was so so good. And uh, there's a, there's a YouTube that you have to check out with her as Captain Kirk, and and, and pulls it off quite well. So. Nice, nice call out, Tim, because this this, this was funny when, when he pulled it out. I was actually smiling because I just remember being a kid and, and my mother, you know, uh, she's since passed, but she loved Carol Burnett. And uh, and I, it was very nostalgic for me to see Carol Burnett live and in person and then and then see this. It just, just brought back a lot of good memories. So Carol Burnett's like your Jim Carrey is what you're saying, Ken. Not like that, no. <laughs> no, not quite like that. The, I, ma- uh, the Mount Rushmore of comedy, Carol Burnett. Jim Carrey, right, right next to each other up there. <laughs> very, very, very different. And and the, obviously with with Carol Burnett and that whole team, they had a I don't want to say a sophisticated way, but it, it was it was they were just so funny, and you could tell they were having so much fun doing it. And that's that's what I loved about those variety shows back then, because so many of them were hit or miss. And Carol Burnett was on from the late '60s right up till the late '70s. She had a very long run, and um, and like I said, that that cast just. They just, they just, you know, it was like lightning in a bottle, and and they all played beautifully off each other. So, you know, she was uh, she was mentored by Lucille Ball, which was fascinating, right? And that and she kind of took that mantle because Lucy was it in the fifties and sixties. I mean, she was huge, and you know, and one of the first uh, real breakthroughs as lady in as 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 a woman in comedy and um and so many aspiring uh, female comedians looked up to lucille ball and here's here's a person who was actually mentored by her i think that's it's a great story and it just of its on uh, of itself for sure and then uh, suzanne williamson one of the hosts of to the journey uh says i love when star trek references come up in songs the hanukkah song by adam sandler 99 red balloons by nina 
and Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys are my faves. Uh, and then uh, Tim Hans goes on to say, no more so than Star Trekkin' by The Firm. I think all those are great songs. Uh, you know, Tim, the one you mentioned is hilarious. Have you Are you familiar with the one he's talking about there? No, like, I'm Star familiar with Trekkin Where Is Captain Across Kirk? the Universe on the Star Trek Enterprise under Captain Kirk. Well, I'll, I'll find it. I'll post it. It's hilarious. Uh, perhaps... We might put it in the episode. We'll see. You have to stay tuned to the end to hear, guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the Hanukkah song is great. So spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. And then, uh, uh, you know, what? what is the Star Trek reference in? Oh, Cap- yeah, that's right. They say Captain Kirk, 99 Red Balloons. I think uh, Red Alert as well. Yeah. yeah. It, it, uh-huh. all, it all fades from that. And then Intergalactic, of course. Yeah. So Beastie Boys. What, why are they going to put Intergalactic in one of these Star Trek movies? That, if for nothing else, I want Star Trek Four in the Kelvin timeline so we can hear Intergalactic uh, in the movie because that's a great song. That's probably my favorite Beastie Boys song. So Intergalactic. Intergalactic. There you go. Now we're going to have to pay the Beastie Boys, but it was worth it. So, so Lee uh, posted this uh, British show <laughs> do you want to speak on that Ken? well it's scottish and uh it, it you know first of all lee thank you for sharing that i i watched that just before we started recording and 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 i was laughing i i i have a um a facility in, in edinburgh so i get out there you, you know once uh you know every every four or five months and and i you know you if once you go to scotland you just fall in love with it the people there are magnificent and and, and funny great sense of humor and the dialects across Scotland are, are wide and varied, as Lee can tell you. And, and I, in Edinburgh, I can understand people well. You have to really focus. Uh, but you go to uh, people that have a, an accent from Glasgow or up in the Highlands, and you wouldn't even know what language they're speaking. And, and this just parodies that to no end. And it's, it's absolutely hilarious. So if you haven't been on the Babel Conference, or if you're not a member, become one. And, and look up this original post when we talk about uh, pop culture references to Star Trek because Lee posted beauty, the taste ciders in space. And, and I was just rolling and, I, and, you know, and really trying to focus and trying to, you know, you catch every third word. And it was magnificent, brilliant. Thank you, Lee. That, was, that, that just made my day. Now, uh, I posted a lot of commercials, but I think, I think we'll put a pin in the commercials and we'll, we're going to talk about all this stuff again another time. So, so we'll, we'll wrap back around in a, in a sequel episode of this and talk about a lot of Star Trek commercials that, that I posted uh, on the Babel Conference thread there. Uh, but I, I do want to get to uh, my friend Lance posted a couple of clips and uh, so you're, you're a Frasier fan. Can, oh, yes. Do, do you yeah. remember the episode where Frasier does a, a clean on speech for his son? At his bar mitzvah? I didn't until this was posted by Lance. I did not. I, I, I did watch the show. I, I haven't watched it since it was originally aired, just like Cheers, but I, I love those mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. And Kelsey Grammer, obviously a huge Star Trek fan. He, he cameoed in Cause and Effect on TNG. He's Captain Bateson. And, you know, there, there, are, there are lots of little Star Trek jokes and stuff, uh, you know, in his comedy. But, but this is probably, if you had to pick one scene from Frasier, it can't be more spot on than the Klingon speech here. So, so good. So good. And then uh, in the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh cartoon not the not the like famous one from the 80s that everybody knows but there's a current one going on on nickelodeon and it's cgi right and uh leonardo one of the one of the ninja turtles he has his favorite cartoon is space heroes but what it is it's it's star trek the animated series is what it is like it is legit like in the same way like c lab 2021 on cartoon network is like a redrawn old show of something else that i forget this is a redrawn Star Trek the Animated Series. Like it is so like they changed some hair color and some uniforms, but it's Star Trek the Animated Series and it's so funny to see them watch this show. It's so spot on, especially if not a, not only if you're just a Star Trek fan, but if you're a Star Trek the Animated Series fan and familiar with it cuz it's such a niche thing as it is for them to kind of to go that deep and pull that out. It's just so <laughs> hilarious. And it's a recurring thing too and, and more than one episode. It's and it's called Space Heroes, which is like the most generic thing you could think of and I just think that's hilarious. And Lance posted a clip, so you guys definitely go check it out. You get you'll get a laugh from it. Yeah, definitely. We'll check it out. It, it looks it looks brilliant. I can't wait. And um, the last one we had for today was from K. Elizabeth Shaw from To the Journey. To the Journey. They don't, to do, the the, journey. They don't do that anymore, do they? <laughs> you know what? They have they have taken that show and have done a brilliant job with it. And it's 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 a lot of fun to listen to. the The, the chemistry uh, between the three of them is is phenomenal. It's almost as good and, as our chemistry, Ken. 
It's just about there. Yeah, yeah. We had a little bit of a head start. Just kidding. It's just as good. But anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> it's you know, I, I'm, I, 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 I enjoy some Voyager. I'm not a huge Voyager fan, but I've always been a fan of To the Journey, whether it was, you know, Tristan and Char and, and now um, uh, with Kay, Suzanne and Zachary. And, and it's, just, it's just a fun podcast. And, you know, I also like because they, they get a little racy at times. And I just enjoy that. It's like, you know, they're just they're just a bunch of free spirits that have, have a great time. And their love of the show just um, it just permeates through it. Right. And that that that's it's like an infectious laugh. Everybody can just kind of go along with it. Right. And uh, and so she talks about there's a, a reference and she's you know, she's English. Right. So there's a, a lovely little reference. Right. And in, in uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, where one of the characters mentions Spock to Red, and I know that's Kate Mulgrew's character, and she doesn't have a clue who that is. And so <laughs> my wife started watching Orange is the New Black. She, I think she'd been watched it a few months ago. And, and I, I was catching it, some of it, she was watching it on her computer, so I, I'd see different things. And, you know, it looked like a pretty intense show. And uh, Mulgrew's character, uh, Red, you know, the, the Russian chef inmate or whatever she is, she she does a really brilliant job. I mean, you can tell she's got some pretty strong acting chops, but that would be perfect. I mean, it's it's great that they brought that full circle, and uh, we'll have to see if we can find that. So thank you, Kate, for sharing. We do appreciate it. Well, I think that's a good place to stop today, Ken. As you said, we'll uh, we'll keep delving into these as we go. I'm sure the comments will keep rolling in some more references. I mean, there, there's just so many out there. I'm sure the ones off the top of our head and the first batch of comments there uh, are just scratching the surface. So I look forward to uh, delving into this more because, as you said, the more people bring up from other things, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, oh, man, I never heard of that. That looks fun. It's just, it's just a fun way to, to reminisce about the way pop culture has really embraced and celebrated Star Trek through comedy uh, over the years. But uh, trekking through. Pop culture isn't the only thing we're discussing this week on Trek FM. Here's what else is playing on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. All right, I'll tell you what. You know, I have never, ever, ever won a costume or cosplayed or anything like that. Now the challenge, the gauntlet has been out there. We're going to have to put together a Mugatu costume. Mugatu <laughs> costume. We got to. To the journey! <laughs> Make him taller. Give him some salt and pepper gray hair. Yeah. Make those shoulders broader. Your pubes have put a tattoo over his left eye. <laughs> oh my god, look what I just did! I made a chicote. Warp 5. Uh, are you an outside entity that is watching you deal as the bad uh, archer with the good archer? And, and Scott just looks at me and turns around and goes, Oh, God, will someone come here and get Gary a strip? <laughs> Meta Trex. But these Romulans are still walking around in those nasty pointy shoulder tunics that they wear. I mean, <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> Doesn't seem like they shed as much of their identity as the Klingons yeah, no, no, do. Not shedding as much of their identity. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at, at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trek.fm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trek.fm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on the content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, 
Nick Anastasio, and Richard Marquez. Thank you so much for all of your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek.fm through Patreon. You can find Renee on Twitter at at MRES underscore 1701, Norm on Twitter at at Starfighter 1701, Aaron on Twitter at at GeekFilter, and Tim on Twitter at at TimRobertson56. And Nick and Richard aren't on Twitter, but you can find them on Facebook and around the Babel Conference. As for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H, and you can find my other podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, on Twitter at Always Smallville with one S, and we cover the Young Superman show, Smallville, that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. So if you're looking for me on the network, you can you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm always on there, uh, pre-post shows, talking different subjects with all our listeners. And you can also find me on Twitter, at Boston SCPO. That means Boston Senior Chief Petty Officer. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Across the 